so uh, <laughs> this uh, <clears throat> this is um, <laughs> goodness. Sorry, this uh, this is my you know the 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 thing that you wear on your head. Um, the helmet, thank you. Uh, this, is, this is my helmet <clears throat> that I, I wore uh, when I was writing the, uh, the, the thing with two wheels and, and the, the, you, you pedal it and uh, bike, thanks, dude. Um, um, well, it's, it's covered in blood. You might not be able to see that from where you are. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, my name's Tommy Cummins and I'm... I'm well, I'm on the student team here at uh, at Plum. Okay, so that incredibly awkward, like, 60 seconds uh, was just a very brief glimpse into what my life was like after my cycling accident. Now, some of you have heard bits and pieces of that story before, but if not, here's the main thing that you need to know. If you can't tell from the blood that's still on it five years later, it was very serious. Even wearing this helmet, I fractured my skull in four different places, and I experienced what's called a TBI, or a traumatic brain injury. Now, for me, the worst symptom of my TBI by far was what's called aphasia. Now, if you've been around for a while, you may be familiar with that word because Pastor Doug has talked about it because his son, Josh, experienced that exact same thing going through his whole ordeal. But for me, aphasia meant I knew what I wanted to say, and I just couldn't get the words out. Like I would be talking or preaching and, and, and just sort of forget what I was saying and just kind of trail. Or I knew that there was a, um, oh, good grief, a, uh, a word, a word, that's it, that I was trying to find. And, and no matter how simple and straightforward it was, I just couldn't come up with it. And you can imagine how frustrating and difficult that would be for anyone to experience, but especially as someone who is so passionate about, and in many ways, my identity was wrapped up in preaching and verbally telling people how much God loves them. Well, it's easy to understand why it was such a difficult and dark and honestly depressing season for me. As the, the first several times that I got up to preach was just as awkward and uncomfortable as what you just experienced, and I could just see people kind of twitching in their seats, and imagine how much harder it was for me, and I just, I just wanted so badly to tell them how much God loved them, and I just couldn't get the words out. Well, a couple of months into that journey, I sat down with a coworker for a meeting, and it's a great friend of ours named Corey. And, and Corey, she said, Tommy, how are you doing? Like, I have to imagine, this is really hard for you. And I just kind of surface level was like, yeah, well, you know, the road rash is getting better, and, and my black eye is almost completely gone, as you can see, and, and I really, I'm, the headaches only come when I'm in the worship service, and it's like too loud for too long. So yeah, I feel like I'm moving in the right direction. And she just so sweetly was like, listen, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that's awesome, but what I meant is I can tell that there's so many moments where you still just struggle, struggle to say what it is that you want to say. 
And I also know how passionate you are about preaching. And so I just, I have to imagine this is really difficult for you right now. And in that moment, I felt so incredibly seen in the midst of my struggle. My hope and prayer is that every single one of you has experienced moments like that where you have felt seen in the midst of a very difficult season in your life. But I also have to imagine, given what we have all collectively been going through with COVID for the last like 14 months, there's probably a lot of you that are feeling very unseen during this season. Whether it's increased isolation that's caused you to feel really just lonely. And even when you're around people, it still just feels like I, I, they don't really know what I'm going through. Or, or maybe you've been experiencing some relational strain because of the incredible division that's in our country right now, and it's just, you're carrying that around. Or, or maybe the added stress and strain of the season, it has started to affect your, your deepest and most important relationships to you. And it just feels like no one really knows how much that weighs on you. Or I know a handful of you that have taken in friends and family members that are, you're trying to help them get their lives back on track, and, and it's a great thing, but at the same time, it's, it's really hard and it's exhausting. Or students, right? Like I know how hard it's been that things have been so inconsistent this year with school, or all of the things that usually provide a sense of stability for you, and you're trying your very best to just still accomplish and do what you're supposed to do, and yet it feels like maybe no one sees that you're just almost feeling crushed under the weight of what are now really unrealistic expectations. Or young adults who you're like, dude, I'm kind of already in this awkward in-between phase and not like the fact that there's so much uncertainty. I don't, I don't know what the next step is supposed to look like for me. Many of you that are carrying extra weights with your family of, of, of kids that are now doing school online or uh, you have aging parents that they really don't have anywhere else to go and, and it's hard to know exactly what to do in that situation or dealing with, with the added stress of, of kids with special needs and just the extra demand of attention and time that that takes. And in all of these circumstances, I, I feel like Sometimes it just feels like we're really unseen. No one really knows what we're going through, and, and I'm almost drowning in, in the extra weight and responsibility that I'm carrying right now. But whatever it is that has you feeling unseen during this season, what I hope you take away from this time together is that Jesus sees you. In fact, our main thought for the day, I would encourage you to write this down, is that I am seen by El Roy. I am seen by El Roy. That will make a whole lot more sense in just a moment, I promise you. But no matter how much it might feel like that's not true, 
It is true that God sees us in every circumstances, and I am seen by El Roi. Now, El Roi is one of the names that is given to God in the Old Covenant, many different names that just help us to have a deeper understanding of God's character and God's nature. And this one in particular was given to him, and he was used for the first time by a woman named Hagar. Now, you'll have to trust me that Hagar's story is complicated, okay? We're talking like Maury Povich, Jerry Springer, daytime talk show level drama that's going on in this woman's life. And here's the highlights of it, okay? There's a a man named Abram and a woman named Sarai. Their names would later be changed to Abraham and Sarah. And they, how do we put this sensitively? They, uh, They could qualify for the discount at the local Golden Corral or Bob Evans or whatever the place is where people like to eat dinner at 4.30 in the afternoon, if you know what I'm saying. And and they didn't have kids, though, okay? So God comes to them and is like, hey, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And they're like, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but we're a little past that phase of our lives And God says, no, this is what's going to happen. And I I don't know if they didn't trust God completely or if if maybe they just weren't patient enough to wait on God's plan to come to fruition. But in either situation, they decided to take matters into their own hands. And so Sarah has this this great idea, hey, why don't you sleep with my servant Hagar and we'll kind of jumpstart this whole descendants thing. Great idea. Well, as you can imagine, it creates some drama there. And so eventually it gets so bad and Hagar is being so mistreated by Sarah, who's now incredibly jealous of her, that she ends up going on the run. And in the midst of this Kardashian-level drama, God sends an angel to her to comfort her and to give her peace during this season. And it says in uh, Genesis 16, 13, it says, thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are El Roi, the God who sees me. Hagar is so moved by the fact that, that little old her, in the midst of all of her chaos, that, that God sees her. And not just sees as in like notices with a passing glance, but sees as is, is paying attention to her recognizes the turmoil that she's in, feels the pain that she is feeling. And we get so many confirmations of this throughout the rest of the history of of the old covenant stories that, that that's just part of who God is. That is part of his nature. We see glimpses of it over and over again until finally we see it complete and on full display in the life of Jesus. Jesus was El Roi in the flesh. And it's very evident from the very beginning that that Jesus is the God who sees. You have to look no further than his disciples to recognize that, that God saw something that other people didn't because these guys, they were fishermen, they were tradesmen, they were tax collectors, which by the way, all of them in those chosen professions because they had already been overlooked by the religious leaders. See, every single one of the boys in those days would go and they would study for years the Torah and they would try to memorize the first five books of the Old Covenant. And and at the end of all of this, the best and the brightest among them would be selected by the religious leaders to be their disciples. And they would say, hey, come follow me. I'll teach you everything that I know and we can continue to build on it. 
So the fact that these guys were doing what they were doing means that they had already been overlooked. But the good news is that Jesus sees your potential when others only see your pitfalls. And so he looked at them and said, listen, I get it. Surface level, everyone else saw that there was nothing really to work with here, but I promise you, if you will come and you will follow me, I will literally change the world through you 12. And that's exactly what happens. And I think it's important for us to remember that God sees our potential because we live in such a culture that it is so surface and never hardly ever looks past the surface level at what people are really going through or who they really are or what they really have to offer. It's helpful to remember that Jesus called Peter the rock long before he was stable and mature. He spoke that truth into and over his life. And guess what? That's exactly what Peter became. And that's exactly what he wants to do for you as well. He sees you, warts and all, and still loves you. Still sees who he created you to be and is just calling you to step into that. Jesus is El Royi. Because he sees you, he sees the best in you, and he sees whatever it is that you might be going through right now, whatever struggle you might be facing, whatever battle you might be fighting, and none of that scares him off. And I think we need to trust, there's going to be a lot of things that are thrown up on the screen here pretty quickly, there's some reminders that I think we need to give ourselves. Uh, the first one being that Jesus sees my loneliness, just like he saw Zacchaeus up in that tree and not just like notices, hey, there's a short guy that's up in the tree. That's interesting. But it like saw him, recognized that, hey, this is a guy who's a tax collector, which meant that he was hated and despised by everyone, which meant he wasn't exactly getting a whole lot of like Passover greeting cards or anything. And he recognized what this guy needs most is to be invited into community, and that's exactly what he does, and that's exactly what he wants to do for you as well. If you're feeling lonely and isolated, he's calling you into this, this community, this family. We at Plum Creek would love nothing more than to help you to get plugged into that community because we believe that we were created for connection. It's incredibly important that we recognize that we are designed to do life together. So Jesus sees my loneliness you also need to trust that Jesus sees my physical struggles. Just like he saw the paralytics and the lepers and the woman with the issue of blood and so many other instances. I know because I've prayed with a handful of you and there has to be way more. I know that some of you are walking through some really, really difficult physical things right now. Battling cancer or the surgeries that have recently come about. I know that there's some of you that are caring for a loved one that you just see, you just see them diminishing week after week as their bodies are just breaking down. And that's such a difficult thing, but you need to recognize Jesus sees your physical struggles and he cares. And Jesus sees my relational struggles. Just like he saw the woman at the well who was searching for a sense of identity and meaning and fulfillment in the arms of many men. And he's able to just kind of cut right to the heart of the issue. He sees what is going on in your relationships and he cares. Jesus sees my financial struggles. 
Just like he saw the woman who was putting in two copper coins into the treasury at the temple. And he's like, hey, listen, she just gave way more than anyone else because she gave out of her poverty while everyone else was giving out of their abundance. He sees your financial hardships. Jesus sees my grief. Just like he saw Jairus when, when he lost his daughter or Lazarus's family as they were mourning the loss of their brother Lazarus and, and he knew, hey, I'm about to raise him from the dead. And even still, he chose to weep with them because he saw their grief and decided to join them in it. Jesus sees the grief that you continue to carry day after day month after month, year after year. Whatever it is that you are going through right now, this is certainly not an exhaustive list, but Jesus sees you. And if you've been with us for a while, you'll likely remember that we're just coming out of a series called Mind Games. And if you miss any of those sermons, I would highly encourage you to go back and watch them because they were incredibly powerful and so relevant to what we are going through right now. But the big idea of that series is that many of the battles that we are facing will be won or lost in our minds, and that it's so incredibly important for us to to cling tightly to the truth that God has, because we are constantly bombarded by the lies of the enemy. And, And one of those, a big piece of that is reminding yourself that I am seen by El Roy, the God who sees me. When I was asked to preach today for Mother's Day, I asked my wife, Mindy, hey, what is it that you think moms need to hear right now? And she said, I don't know if I could speak for every mom, but I have to imagine that many of them just need to hear that they are seen. And she was so gracious and was willing to share part of her testimony and her struggle of what she's been going through through this pandemic. So why don't we check this out? So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was 32 weeks pregnant. So expecting our second child um, who was born at the end of May um, and then came back to work. Our daughter, Lainey, was entering kindergarten. And so during the fall, um, found myself working full time, caring for a newborn and then floating in and out of remote learning um, for a kindergartner. That was a very, very, interesting and hard season. There were weeks where it felt like I was just drowning and and I couldn't get anything done and I was overwhelmed, but there would be moments, you know, where Lainey would crawl up in my lap while I'm on a call or um, I would have a moment in between calls where I could just be present with Judah and play with him on the floor um, just as a way to decompress from meeting to meeting. And so I think that there were moments that God allowed me to see the beauty in the midst of the chaos, that this is a season and this is hard, but at the same time, I'm getting so much extra time with my kids that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. I think we need to give ourselves permission when we go through really hard seasons that both can be true. It can be really hard, but it can also be really good. We just need to not focus all of our energy and thoughts on all that's bad. Our perspective matters, and that if we choose to focus on the bad, 
all we're gonna find is bad. But if we take a moment, as hard as it is, in the middle of the chaos, to step away and to find the good, we'll, we'll find the good. And oftentimes, the good will far outweigh the bad. I know my story, it's not the only story of struggle during this season. There's parents who are working multiple jobs or lost their job and suddenly had to find alternative uh, childcare or are just trying to balance multiple children, children with special needs. There, there's a multitude of stories, but um, I think in this season uh, of struggle, it's very easy to confuse things that are hidden from the view um, with things that are unimportant. And so I have to remind myself that what's hidden um, doesn't mean that it's not valuable and doesn't mean that it's not making an eternal impact. Have you ever wondered what took Jesus so long to get going? <laughs> you may or may not know, he was 30 years old when he was baptized and called his disciples and started traveling around and performing miracles and, and preaching the good news of the gospel. What in the world was he doing that entire time? Now, besides the obvious answer of just making sure that he was prepared and, and that the world around him, it was the right timing, many scholars actually believe that a big piece of it was it's highly likely that Joseph, his dad, Mary's husband, probably passed away pretty early on. Now, there's a lot of things that point towards this. Like, like Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, he said to his disciple, John, hey, listen, John, this is your mother now. And, and woman, this is your son. He was making arrangements because he wasn't going to be around to care for her any longer. And certainly, he never would have done that if Joseph was still alive because that would have been Joseph's responsibility. But also, almost any time that we hear about uh, Mary during Jesus' public ministry, it almost always says that she was there with his brothers, Jesus' brothers, and sometimes it mentions sisters, but it never mentions Joseph. In fact, the last time that we hear about Joseph was when Jesus was 12, he was at the temple in Jerusalem over Passover, and he got lost. They find him in the temple, uh, like laying down some good words for the old people, paying attention, and, and they're like, hey, where were you? And he said, didn't you know I would be in my father's house talking about God? That's the last time that we hear about Joseph. And then when he performed his first miracle at Cana, turning the water into wine, it's his mother Mary that comes to him and says, hey, you have to help them out. They're going to be shamed by the fact that they ran out of wine. You have to do something. Joseph's not mentioned. And immediately after that, it says that his mother and his brothers were traveling, and again, makes no mention of Joseph. And so it would certainly help to explain why after that moment at his age of 12, if, if Joseph had passed away just within a few short years after that, it would help to explain why Jesus then spent 18 long years in Nazareth, which let's face it was basically the Pueblo of Galilee, okay? Like <laughs> there's no reason whatsoever for someone to stay there other than family. I can tell you from experience, because I'm from Pueblo, and all of my family's like, hey, listen, as soon as you're gone, I'm gone too. Like, we're getting out of here. <laughs> There's no, nothing else that could have kept him there for that long. 
Now, and so Jesus literally put the entire world on hold to care for his mom and his family. And when you think about it in terms of just, just the sheer number of days and months and years of Jesus' life, the vast majority of it is unseen. But that in no way means that any of those portions were at all unimportant. I think moms, maybe some of you have felt like you're in like this holding pattern, caring for little ones and not really sure you're making much of a difference outside of that. Or dads who have said no to some things that you would really love to say yes to, but you just know it would take you away from your family too much. Or again, those of you who are trying so hard to help a family member or a friend just kind of get their life back together after a really, really difficult season. Or those of you carrying the weight, like my parents, who for the last six months have been providing hospice care for my grandma who's going to go see Jesus any day now. Or those of you who, again, have the added stress and just extra attention that is required of caring for special needs kids, or whatever it might be, you need to understand that Jesus sees you. He gets it and he understands because he has been there himself. I think we can all agree that Jesus had some pretty big fish to fry and was still willing to say, no, 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 that can wait because right here is where my attention is needed right now. He knows exactly what you're walking through. And on your darkest days, you have to remind yourself, I am seen by El Royi. And, and to be willing to say, like Mindy said, it's 100% possible for both to be true. To be able to say, you know what, this is really a blessing that I'm getting to do what I'm doing, and there's a lot of really great things that are coming out of it, but also it's really hard. It's really exhausting. But like she said so eloquently, just because it isn't seen doesn't mean it's not important. And so are you doing both? Are you giving yourself the permission to say, it's really hard and it's exhausting at times without just completely and only ever focusing on the bad parts of the situation, while inversely looking for the blessings that are happening in the midst of this season, while not turning into like this rainbow puking unicorn that only ever smiles and waves and acts like the house is not actively burning down around you as you speak. It's okay for both of those things to be true. Some, someone shared a great quote with me this week. It says, In seasons of hiddenness, our sense of value is disrupted, stripped of what others affirmed us to be. In this season, God intends to give us an unshakable identity in Him that no amount of adoration nor rejection can alter. I get it. We all want so badly to be noted, to be, to be noticed, and to be appreciated. But it's worth asking yourself, is it enough for me to know that I am noticed by God? 
Because our answer to that question will tell us a lot about where our identity currently lies. And please do not misunderstand me because my love language is words of affirmation. And so I get it. Words are incredibly important to me and they are to you on some level, even if it's not your, your love language. It's important that we are noticed by others. That does make a big deal. Uh, but does my identity crumble or is it bolstered when I recognize that I am seen by El Royi, even if I'm not really noticed by a whole lot of other people during this season. Again, the majority of Jesus' life was unseen, but that doesn't mean that what was unseen was unimportant in his life. He chose to pause for 18 years or something like it in order to care for his family. He gets it. He knows how you feel with whatever it is that you are walking through. And if you let him, he will utilize this season in order to mold you and to shape you into something that looks way more like him and less and less like the pain and the sin of the world around us. And single moms, I, I feel like, man, you might be the most unseen demographic, if we're honest. You carry so much and you do it all in a lot of instances without a whole lot of support, if any. You're like a freaking superhero, but really, how often do you feel like it? How often do you feel like people see what you're going through, come alongside to support? Again, you need to know that Jesus gets it because he likely was raised by one of you. He likely saw Mary go through many of the exact same struggles that you are going through and those of you that, that want so badly to be a mom or a dad, and it just hasn't happened or it can't happen for whatever reason, again, you need to take comfort in knowing that Jesus weeps with you. He sees you in your grief, and he joins you in it. He cares. Listen, I... I don't know what the specific struggle is for many of you right now, but I do know that God does not just notice you. He sees you because he is the God who sees. He is paying attention. He is working in ways that you probably can't even see right now. He cares. He empathizes. Whatever it takes, you have to remind yourself, I am seen by El Royi. Write it somewhere where you are most likely to see it when you are most likely to be in your darkest spot. Or invite others to speak that truth over you at the times you need to hear it. It is so incredibly important that we invite others into this journey with us because like I said, whatever you are carrying right now, you were not designed to carry it by yourself. That was never the intention. He's inviting you into a community that would come alongside you and support you during this season. Let us know how we can do that. Invite someone else into that journey. And as hard as it might be to come to terms with, the truth is that sometimes, whatever it is that we are facing, we might not see victory on this side of eternity. But I can assure you that we will have victory in Jesus. 
because he is so much bigger than anything that we could face. He has already won the battle for us. One day we will stand face to face with him and all of the pain, all of the turmoil, all of the struggle will be gone. But in the meantime, you can take great comfort in knowing that I am seen by El Roy. He sees you. And not only that, but the last thing that he said before he ascended into heaven, in Matthew chapter 28, he said, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter how much the enemy might try to convince you otherwise, you are not alone. We have to make sure that we are clinging tightly to him so that he can shape us and mold us and root our identities firmly in him so that that when these storms come and when, when they get to be bigger than we can handle ourselves, we can recognize who we are in him and we can recognize whose we are in him. And here's the challenge that I have for every single one of you. You probably noticed already when you came in, there were some cards sitting on your seats. They say, you are seen. This is super simple. If you're worshiping with us online, you can come into the office sometime this week. We would love to give some to you. You can take one, take multiple, whatever it means. Just take some. And here's what I want you to do this week is to pray over it. And to ask that God would reveal to you someone who is feeling very alone and very unseen during maybe a very difficult season of their life right now. And then just allow God to use you as his hands and his feet and his voice in this season so that you can speak truth into and over their lives and to remind them that they are not alone. For me, feeling seen by Corey in that moment It was so incredibly powerful and important and helpful for me on my journey as I was recovering for many, many months. Just recognizing, like, hey, I know, I can see you struggle to put your words together, and I know you're passionate about preaching. You have no idea how powerful your words can be. And so don't don't let those good thoughts about someone go unsaid. Speak truth into them. Remind them regularly. Be intentional about allowing God to give you eyes to see people who are struggling. Because again, we're all people in process. But we need others in that process. You get the opportunity to be a part of someone else's story. And you get the opportunity to invite others into yours. And both are equally important. So this week, be intentional about making sure that others feel seen. My prayer for you this week is that you would also feel seen and remind yourself when you're at your lowest points that I am seen by El Roy, the God who sees me. Will you stand? We're going to sing. We're going to have an opportunity to just kind of give some things over to God. But before we do, let's say a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your incredible grace and your love and your compassion. Father, we just ask that you would move in our lives as only you can. 
God, I pray for breakthrough in some of the situations that people are facing in this room today or if they're watching at home. God, I just pray that you would move as only you can. And God, that you would give us the ability to trust and know that you are working even when we can't see it. That God, we can capture those thoughts and make them obedient to you when we, we feel like we're isolated, when we feel like nobody cares, when we feel like you are not moving. God, help us to prophesy over ourselves to invite others to do it as well, that we will eventually have complete victory in you. Some of that might, we get some glimpses of it on this side of eternity, but God, completely when we stand in your presence, that's what we're gonna experience. We can cling tightly to that. God, I just ask that you would strengthen us. You had given us the boldness and the courage to live a life that, that just models for others what it means to be held by you and to not act like we've got it all together, to, to be vulnerable and to allow others into that journey with us, but also to cling tightly to the truth that we are seen by you and God, that we can know that you are with us always, even to the end of the age, no matter how hard the struggles might be. Help our identities to be firmly rooted in you during this season. We love you. We thank you in advance for the work that you are going to continue to do. And God, we just want to give you praise in this moment. In the name that we pray, amen.